Welcome back to the Unrest Podcast. I'm Caitlin Stansel. And I'm Madeline Green. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Unrest Podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our spooky stories that we share. And speaking of spooky stories, it is October. We are getting closer to one of my favorite holidays, Halloween. I've been doing a few strange and spooky facts and stories on TikTok, but Caitlin, you have one that kind of goes along with Halloween. Tell us about today's real life haunt. Yeah. So this month, you really see a lot of the ghost tours and that sort of thing really ramping up around the country. And Catherine, she is in Cary, North Carolina, and she saw an opportunity to start what she's calling the History That Haunts Cary Trolley Tour. What I love about this story that you're about to hear is that she has really a great philosophy for why she wanted to bring this experience to the public. You know, she really feels that it's important to give a voice to the history that is sometimes lost. So take a listen. So my name is Catherine Laughlin. I am a native North Carolinian, uh, currently living in Cary, North Carolina. I guess my interest in the paranormal um, goes back to childhood. I'm half Puerto Rican, and on my mom's side of the family, which is the Puerto Rican side, there was always a lot of spiritualism, let's say, going on. Um, I had empathic aunts and uh, a grandmother who had some abilities and so it had always been sort of there for me but I was educated in science and uh, went to school and graduate school and all of that and later in life I got involved with uh, local history productions as part of my job in creating places that people love. One of the things we discovered is is uh, knowing the history of your place really helps you feel an attachment to it. And so the more I got involved, not only in other people's local history productions, but I subsequently started my own production company um, that tells the story of place. And it just seemed every time, whether I was doing a play or writing an article or doing a haunted walk, for the community, my house would just go crazy. And I used to think it was October. You know, maybe something happened in my house previously in October. I don't know. But then I started realizing, no, it's usually because I'm in a fall production or I'm creating a production that time of year. So that's sort of where these two worlds kind of married for me in my day job and then this paranormal stuff came really front and center for me uh, personally as I started doing this kind of work. This is sort of how I came up with the idea of these tours. I have to credit my teen daughter, actually. Um, I've done haunted history tours with actors and, and um, you know, sort of you stage the scene that supposedly created the haunting event and then uh, folks can see that and then they learn the history of the place and they hear the ghost story. And so I was telling my daughter over dinner a few months ago, I said, well, I think I'm going to do that for Carrie this year. And she said, oh, great, our house is going to be haunted for like two months now, you know, <laughs> and 
it started me thinking that the best ghost walks, the best haunted walks are the ones that you create yourself. I mean, with the paranormal. So I created uh, the history that haunts carry trolley tours to really combine haunted history with real time on the scene paranormal investigations going on inside of houses. So we have a trolley that takes our guests to a couple of historic homes in downtown Cary uh, that have reported paranormal activity, but they've never been investigated. And we allow people to come with us, not only to hear the history and the haunted part, but also to see what happens in real time when we activate paranormal investigation tools and techniques um, to see what we get. So I'm sort of trying to recreate or create if you will the the actual hauntings instead of telling them let them experience it for themselves that's what we're hoping to accomplish with these tours for me it started gradually it started with dreams that i've never had before i usually have the same three dreams over and over i started having dreams about these folks and i attributed that to well you're thinking about them you're talking about them But then things started, like playful things started happening around the house. Like, I always leave my keys in the same spot. Well, the keys aren't there, you know. And I thought, well, you got a lot on your mind and, you know, you're getting a little absent-minded. And then it sort of kept going to, like, in the middle of the night, uh, my daughter was younger at the time. Probably the, the spookiest thing that happened during the first production I ever did was she had this violin in her room that was battery operated and it looked like a real violin that had a little bow. I think we got it at Cracker Barrel. My grand, my mother gave it to her or something. And when you, and when you use the bow on it, it would make a violin sound. And in the middle of the night, she was at her dad's house and I hear the violin going and it wasn't a song or anything. It was just like, <laughs> not a pleasant sound at all. And I thought, well, what is this? And I turned on my uh, video camera on my phone because it wasn't the first time I started thinking something's going on here. Uh, and I walked down the hallway to the playroom where I knew the vid- where the violin was. And I'm rolling on tape. And I, as soon as I turn on the light in the playroom, of course, it stops. And I go over to the violin And I turn it around thinking, you know, maybe I can explain this. And I open the battery case and there are no batteries in the violin. And so I finally, in that moment, I mean, right before then, probably a week before, I'd had a picture fly off a wall right outside of my bedroom onto a wood floor. It made this awful crashing noise and woke me up. And so when the violin thing happened, I started acknowledging, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, you don't have to keep ramping it up. I get it. I, you, I hear you. I'm happy to tell your story. You know, I hope you're okay with everything. I started having more of a, a communication just to keep things from getting any higher. But I, I felt like it was escalating, you know, until I said that. And then it was, it stayed kind of at that level. Um, they loved playing with her things, her toys. The, she had bells in that room. They play the bells in the middle of the night or at noon during the day uh lights would go crazy um and then we started noticing not just me but the whole cast of these shows we would go into rehearsals 
and the the theater would react. The lights would go crazy. People were seeing apparitions on the side of the stage that they thought were people, and when they went there, there was no one there. So it was really... It got to the point, to be honest with you, that we were we were praying before every rehearsal and at the end of every rehearsal because everything just felt electrified. I don't know how else to explain it. So and that has sort of continued for me every time I do one of these things. I do one of these shows. So I think that the reason why I do these productions and I know other people do similar productions is you know, nobody wants their story to be forgotten. And in the end, I think Margaret Atwood is the one who said, in the end, we all become stories. Um, that is all we all become are just stories and memories to others. And I feel like it is them saying, we, I know you're talking about me and I appreciate you telling my story and carrying my story forward. And and not in any way have I ever felt uncomfortable or or in danger or anything. I just feel like it is a, a hat tip, if you will, to say thank you for telling these stories. And the towns that I've done these productions in, Cary and Holly Springs here in the Triangle area, they haven't had this done a lot. You know, their stories haven't been told. And so I sort of feel like I'm we're plowing new snow and so they're more likely to be activated because they've not been talked about so much so i think part of it is also a a gratefulness that their legacies and their stories continue even if we don't get them 100 percent right at least we're trying and i think they appreciate that really you know, there are a couple of stories uh, with the with the paranormal investigation. You know, Carrie, in the history that haunts Carrie tours, we went ahead with my paranormal investigative team. We went into the houses beforehand and did little mini investigations at each house. And Carrie, many people might not know, Carrie was a was founded as a dry town, a no alcohol, and alcohol was only legalized in Carrie in the 60s so it stayed dry for a very very long time which is ironic because we have so many local uh, bars popping up in the downtown and local breweries and and craft beer and that whole scene is really active in downtown and one of the homes on the tour uh, is called well now it's called cotton house it was passmore house um, built in the 19th actually built in 1900 and the man who built the house was a very good friend of the founder of Carrie so they were both very anti-alcohol and so when we were in there doing our pre-investigation we were doing an EVP session and we could hear with our naked ear and it was pretty much what the bartenders and the owners had been telling us there are these footsteps that happen um, in, in the front room all the time, a lot. And so we we're hearing these footsteps. And one of my investigators calls out and said, you know, we hear you. Why don't you come over and sit down and, and talk with us? You know, let me buy you a beer. Do you want me to buy you a beer? And there was, of course, we didn't hear anything, but this sort of the shuffling of this shuffling sound and when we all went home each of us took the audio recording and we all analyzed it separately and we all heard when she said um why don't you do you want me to buy you a beer there was this pause and then you hear distinctly 
No. And it was, and it's not a friendly sort of no thank you. It's sort of a pouting, I can't believe you even asked me that question. (laughs) No, you know, and we all heard it separately. And when we compared notes, I was like, okay, who heard the no after? Like, yep, we all heard it. So it seems like, you know, even in the paranormal investigation, when we're trying to reach them, uh, those values, if you will, are still very much who they are. And what they wanted to talk about when we got the EVPs was a reaction to, you know, this is this is not what I built this house for. <laughs> and so it's kind of funny that they have that intelligence, if you will, to know what's happening there today and even to say, no, I don't, we don't drink, you know, what are you doing? So, you know, I think that with these investigations, when we're really trying to call them out versus the things that happen at my house or in a stage production, when they see perhaps, you know, a a person representing them on stage, imagine how you would feel, I guess, you know, if you were alive and someone was, was portraying you on stage. I mean, you want to touch them. You want to be a part of that. And I really feel like whether we're asking for them to show up or they're just showing up because they're just so excited to see their lives being told, you know, in a different way, whether they're happy about everything or not. I've had probably two or three in my life that I thought changed me, completely changed me. I think... There are a couple. One doesn't have to do anything with the theater. And I think it was it was one that really made me aware that these things really do happen. I I had just had my daughter and my grandmother had passed away about a month before she was born. And my grandmother and I were very close on my mom's side. And um, she her death was very unexpected. She died in her sleep. She had a stroke and um you know, she and I talked almost all the time and she was so excited to see the baby. And, it, you know, she said, I'm just living to meet the baby, you know, and <laughs> all of that. And she ended up passing and um, it was really hard on the entire family. And once I brought the baby home, uh, we within probably eight, first eight weeks, I would say, of her being home, I mean, she was a very young little baby, and we could hear her in there just babbling, just making like these cooing noises, and and then she'd be quiet, and then she would coo again, and she would be quiet, and and I thought, gosh, that's that's awfully strange, and then my dog started whining at the door, and I thought, maybe she wants to see the baby, I couldn't quite figure out what was going on, but then, you know, sometimes hauntings aren't sexy it was one of these things where my husband at the time and I were going away she was my baby was probably about two months old maybe two and a half we were going away for our first trip away for the weekend with the baby and I was a very panicky kind of mom um, about she was my only child bringing everything and I thought I need to have the neosporin because if she gets cut I need the neosporin I couldn't find the neosporin anywhere I was looking everywhere and I knew I had just bought some and uh, I, I was looking everywhere for probably half an hour and I came back into the bedroom where I was packing and the Neosporin was sitting on the top of all of our clothes. And I said to my husband, did you do that? And he was like, no, 
I'm like, where did this come from? So later, my mom comes to visit, and we started having some of her toys, my baby's toys, would play by themselves. And my mom came to visit. It was her mother who had passed, and she's very much a skeptic. And I'm like, Mom, I'm telling you, the Neosporin's showing up. Toys are playing. Nanny is here. And she goes, there's no way. And as soon as we're sitting there, this little rattle of my daughter started going off. And my mom picked it up, and and I said, see? And she goes, no. And she took the, the batteries are bad. She takes the batteries out. She puts them down. 20 minutes later, that thing goes off again. And there's, and there's something about me and no batteries. That seems to be my, <laughs> my claim to fame. And my mom kind of stood up and said, okay, mom, you can't. You're freaking people out. And I started going, no, mom, no, no, no. Let her stay. She's fine. I don't mind. But mom was like, no, no, mom, let's not do this, you know. And she never, my grandmother never came back. I never felt, and I, to this day, I still give my mom a time (laughs) about that. So, you know, there are these personal relationships, I guess, that it's not always big, scary, you know, ghosts. It's her finding the Neosporin for me and putting it where I could find it, you know, that, that really um, told me that, you know, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay as a mom and I don't know. I never forgot that. It really changed the way I thought about the paranormal from that point forward. And so starting in the theater and then things started happening there, you know, I was a little more equipped, I guess, to sort of, hey, you know, just acknowledge and and move on. You don't you know, need to fall apart about this. This is just their way of, of trying to be helpful or saying that they're still here. I feel honored to be able to look into their history, go visit their graves. I mean, the cool thing about North Carolina is we have a lot of generational living. My family has been in North Carolina since at least the 1730s. I can trace this all the way back. And so, you know, when we tell these stories of the place, we can go nearby and find the person's actual grave of of who you're talking about in a show and meet their descendants. And the descendants will come and watch you know, so you can't help but believe that we're stirring up that energy in a good way. And you have to be honoring. I mean, these aren't, this isn't Halloween, you know, jump scares. These are people's lives. And just because they've passed doesn't mean that their lives aren't any more delicate or important as ours are today. So I try to keep that about me when I do this work. I really just love this concept of giving a voice to history. And I love that she ties in these paranormal investigations into these ghost tours, uh, these trolley tours that she's created. Because I think that that, you know, a lot of people who are sort of interested in ghosts, you know, they're not interested to the level where they're going to go out and buy devices to try to communicate with, with ghosts around them. But I think it's kind of a cool experience, though, to be sort of in a safe environment like this and be able to communicate, in a sense, with whatever entity might still be lingering. Definitely a great point because, I mean, like you said, I'm I'm not going to go buy some EVP recording stuff to try and talk to ghosts, <laughs> but it would be neat to have that experience. And she kind of gives people that experience. What I really love and what is cool about America in itself is, you know, even these small towns have great history. And that's one thing like 
I mean, who would have known this small town in North Carolina would have so much history that you could set up a whole ghost tour around it. Most of the time you see bigger cities like Charleston or Savannah and you know, everyone knows like, oh, they have a lot of history, but Cary, North Carolina, you know what I mean? I think that's one of my favorite things about her story is just the history and it being centered around this small town. Yeah, no, I love that about it. (laughs) We were talking about like buying devices to communicate. I remember in high school, I think it was, didn't we have a Ouija board at your house? Yes, but I would not touch it. (laughs) It was like us. we were having a sleepover with all these girls that we were friends with and yeah, I think we were all like there and you like put your hand on the board or whatever, except Madeline. She's just watching everyone else. <laughs> Ask it this, <laughs> but I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> that Ouija board was actually my brother's. I had heard that they had some weird experiences at some point. I should ask him maybe one day he'll be on the show, but I was, I've just always been kind of creeped out by him. So, well, yeah. and also I just feel like by owning one of those a Ouija board or whatever sort of like communication device you want to get, you know, I feel like you're inviting that, um, energy. And if you're not ready for that, or if you don't want to experience that, you know, probably best to just steer clear and just listen to our podcast instead. (laughs) My mental health will never be ready. (laughs) It's barely ready for the stuff that isn't scary. (laughs) But it's definitely fun to talk about and it's so much fun to hear everybody's stories. And so if you have a story, we would love to hear it. You can email it to us at the unrest podcast at gmail.com or you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. Check us out on TikTok. Some of my fun videos on there. We would appreciate you guys to follow us there as well. And until next time, unrest, unrest in peace. peace.